Matthew Poole, in his commentary on the Epistle to the Romans, delves into the origins of the name of the Epistle's author, Paul. He presents three main hypotheses, each offering a different perspective on how Paul might have acquired his name. The first hypothesis suggests a physical attribute as the source of the name. Some believe that Paul was named as such due to his short or low stature. This notion implies that his name was a reflection of his physical appearance, a common practice in naming during ancient times. The second hypothesis ties the origin of Paul's name to a significant event in biblical history. According to this view, Paul's name emerged following the conversion of Sergius Paulus, a prominent figure mentioned in Acts 13. This theory is further supported by references from early Christian scholars like Hieronymus, also known as Jerome, particularly in his commentary on the epistle to Philemon. The idea here is that Paul's name was a commemorative token, symbolizing a pivotal moment in his life and ministry. The third hypothesis, which Poole seems to lean towards, is rooted in the cultural and social practices of the time. It suggests that Paul had two names from the beginning, a common practice among Jews who were also Roman citizens. Acts 13, 9 supports this view, indicating that Saul was also called Paul. This dual naming is paralleled in the case of John, also known as Mark, Acts 12, 12, 25. The argument here is that Paul, primarily recognized as the apostle to the Gentiles, gradually became known predominantly by his Roman name or surname, especially as his ministry predominantly involved these communities. In essence, Poole's exploration of the name Paul reflects a blend of cultural, historical, and scriptural nuances. Whether viewed as a marker of physical stature, a symbol of a transformative spiritual encounter, or a testament to the complex cultural identities of the time, the name carries deep significance within the context of Paul's life and the broader narrative of the early Christian church. Moreover, Poole's exposition on the Epistle to the Romans dives into the reasons behind its prominent placement in the New Testament, despite not being the earliest of Paul's writings. He acknowledges that earlier epistles such as those to the Thessalonians and Corinthians were penned before Romans. However, the preeminence of this epistle is attributed to a confluence of factors, each emphasizing its unique significance in the Christian canon. The first reason Poole provides relates to the status of Rome during that era. As the imperial city, Rome held a position of unparalleled influence and prestige. This cultural and political prominence likely contributed to the positioning of the epistle to the Romans at the forefront of Paul's letters in the Bible. Beyond the socio-political rationale, Poole points to the intrinsic qualities of the text itself. The epistle is characterized by its length and depth, making it not just the longest of Paul's writings, but also one of the most comprehensive and theologically profound. Its detailed exposition of Christian doctrine and practice garnered the epithet, the marrow of divinity, implying that it encapsulates the very essence of Christian theological thought. Esteemed church fathers and theologians are cited to accentuate the epistle's esteemed status. Chrysostom's practice of having the epistle read to him twice a week signifies its continual relevance and richness. Melanchthon's reverence for Romans is evident in his description of it as the confession of the churches and his dedication to lecturing on it repeatedly, affirming its foundational role in Protestant theology. Furthermore, Mr. Perkins's recommendation of Romans, alongside the Gospel of John, as starting points for engaging with the New Testament asserts its role as a key to understanding Christian teachings. In summary, Poole's commentary not only acknowledges the historical and ecclesiastical reasons for the positioning of Romans, 
but also highlights its theological profundity and its revered status among the foundational texts of Christian doctrine. Last but not least, Poole's exposition of the Epistle to the Romans presents it as a foundational text primarily addressing the doctrine of a sinner's justification before God. According to Poole, justification is through faith, not based on the law's deeds, and involves righteousness that is imputed, not inherent. The first four chapters lay a robust foundation for this doctrine, presenting strong arguments and addressing potential objections. Poole then details the expansion of this doctrine in chapters 5 through 8. Justification by faith brings profound effects and privileges. Peace with God that remains unshaken by tribulations, joy and reconciliation through Christ and sanctification, which encompasses both the mortification of sin and the vivification of new life. Furthermore, believers are freed from the law's bondage, analogous to freedom from a deceased spouse. Chapter 8 introduces additional privileges like non-condemnation, adoption, the Spirit's indwelling, the collaboration of all things for good, the certainty of God's love, and the triumph over adversaries. Further, Poole indicates the amplification of the doctrine from its remote cause, God's predestination. This part addresses a potential objection regarding the Jewish nation's rejection of the doctrine, clarifying that justification is intended for the elect within the Jewish nation. He articulates this in chapters 9-11, through 11, also predicting the future general conversion of the Jews. Finally, the epistle transitions to practical exhortations from chapter 12 to the early part of chapter 15. Here, comprehensive guidance is provided for Christian behavior in various spheres, within the church, in civil society, and in interpersonal relationships. Christians are urged to fulfill their ministry, respect civil authorities, and exercise charity without judgment or causing offense. Interspersed within these practical instructions are numerous ethical and theological insights, enriching the believer's understanding and conduct. In conclusion, Poole's analysis of the Epistle to the Romans is a profound exploration into its origins, significance, and doctrinal depth. In dissecting the name Paul, Poole introduces three hypotheses. It may reflect Paul's physical stature, commemorate his transformative encounter with Sergius Paulus, or derive from the dual naming practice common among Jews with Roman citizenship. This examination illustrates the complex interplay of cultural, historical, and scriptural elements in understanding Paul's identity. Besides, Poole addresses the epistle's preeminent position in the New Testament. Despite other epistles preceding it chronologically, Romans is distinguished by Rome's cultural and political prominence during that era, and the epistle's own depth and comprehensive treatment of Christian doctrine, earning it the title, The Marrow of Divinity. Esteemed figures like Chrysostom, Melanchthon and Perkins maintain its significance, reflecting its enduring impact and authority. Additionally, central to the commentary is the doctrine of justification by faith, a theme that Poole meticulously unpacks. He presents it as a divine act of imputing righteousness, independent of law-based deeds. The exposition is thorough, addressing both the profound implications of this doctrine for believers and potential objections. It points out key privileges such as peace with God, joy and reconciliation through Christ, and freedom from the law's constraints. Also, Poole digs into practical Christian living, grounding ethical and behavioral guidance in theological foundations. The latter chapters offer comprehensive advice for conduct within the church, society, and personal relationships, reiterating ministry, respect for authority, and the practice of charity. 
This blend of doctrinal exposition and practical application repeats the epistle to the Romans as a pivotal text, offering profound theological insights and guiding believers in their faith journey.